Board Matters from EY. Hello and welcome to Board Matters, a podcast from EY for non-executive directors. I'm Kate Chabot and on this edition our theme is organisational culture. We'll be joined by three experts in the impact of culture on an organisation's success in just a moment. And later we'll be joining our reporter Rick Kelsey. Yes, thank you, Kay. I'm with Lady Lynn Forrester de Rothschild, founder and CEO of the Coalition for Inclusive Capitalism, to get her insight on how boards can affect an organisation's culture. All right. Thanks, Rick. Before we meet our guests, we're joined on the line by Anna Anthony, EY partner and advisory panel member on the EY UK Centre for Board Matters. Hi, Anna. Remind us what UK CBM is all about. Hi, Kate. So UK CBM stands for UK Centre for Board Matters. And it's our programme for non-executive directors, uh, which delivers timely insights on current issues and trends in UK businesses. Every quarter, we focus on a different theme um, with a range of on-demand content like this podcast um, and a series of invitation-only events. There's also our website, which has lots more information, uh, which you can find at ey.com forward slash UK forward slash board matters. And why the focus on culture for this edition? So culture at the moment is incredibly topical, uh, both for us as a profession, actually, and also for all of our clients. It's probably never been so high up the board agenda uh, with some quite serious and fundamental questions being asked around how organisations manage change and deal with cultures within their organisation. All right, Anna, thanks for joining us. We'll meet our guests and start the conversation next. Matters. Well, joining me are Arun Batra, Associate Partner, EY Culture Diversity and Inclusiveness and CEO of the National Equality Standard. Hello, glad to be here. Irene Dorner, Non-Executive Director at Rolls-Royce and AXA and Chair of Control Risks. Hi. And Peter Montagnon, Associate Director, Institute of Business Ethics. Hello. Welcome to you all. Peter, let's begin with you. Is culture simply a matter of compliance or performance? Well, I think you needed to start off by describing what you really mean by culture. And for me, culture is simply the sum total of forces that are driving behaviour within an organisation. And if you want a good culture, you've got to work out how to make sure those forces are benign. And that becomes then quite different from compliance because compliance equals rules equals compulsion equals punishment if you get it wrong whereas if you've got uh, forces driving behavior in the right direction people do things because they want to because they think they're right and Irene do you think in your experience boards discuss culture enough and in sufficient depth so I think this is a very interesting question because it's highly topical but In reality, in the past, perhaps boards haven't discussed it as much as they should. It's now very much on the agenda. It's expected by the corporate code. But I think that what has happened in the boardroom is that whilst it's very difficult for non-executives to get to grips with what is actually happening within an organisation, they have realised that you can look at the strategy You can ask about execution, but the reality is if the people are not behaving in the right way and you've got the right values and the right purpose and the right culture driving it, surprise, surprise, the execution doesn't go very well. And so they become attracted to the subject naturally as well as it being driven by uh, better regulation. Arun, um, how relevant is board diversity to an organisation's culture and its success? You won't be surprised to hear me say uh, very 
But what I will say is that I've seen a real significant shift in attitudes based on the recognition that if you want to remain attractive to your investors, retain or indeed attract future employees and even care about your brand, then this is something that really has to be central to your uh, decision making. And even if there are people within a business construct that don't really care about this, it's really hard to ignore you'll find that there's an expectation that businesses have to comply with a certain level of proficiency around diversity and inclusiveness. And I've I've been really struck by uh, the level of activity among the investor community in particular, um, just to ensure that businesses have the right sort of credentials. And there have been letters from um, Larry Fink recently from BlackRock, for example, or from State Street, all saying the same thing, that there's an expectation now that all businesses raise the bar in understanding um, culture and diversity in a way that they haven't had to before. Peter, Irene was saying earlier that sometimes it might be difficult for a non-exec to know exactly whether there is a mismatch between the culture and the strategy. What can a non-exec do about that exactly? Well, I think this is a real challenge that we haven't quite cracked, um, but boards are beginning to look at culture, and I think they tend the best ones tend to look at it through identifying a series of indicators that will help tell them what's going on inside the company, um, and then analysing those and taking corrective action where they need to. Now, these indicators are some which boards probably haven't looked at as closely as they might in the past. For example, there are all sorts of measures around the attitude of employees. Um, There are also issues like what the customers really think of you. And surprisingly, in our experience, boards don't look at customers very much. Um, And there are also issues like what the suppliers think of you. And if you think about the supermarkets and the trouble they got into, anybody who'd asked the suppliers about the pressure they would be being put under could easily have expected that there was going to be a problem down the road. Well, that's a good start to our conversation. We'll continue in just a moment and we'll be hearing about the Embankment Project for Inclusive Capitalism's Culture Beliefs next. Board Matters. This is Board Matters and I'm Kate Chabot. The Embankment Project for Inclusive Capitalism, known as EPIC, was created by the Coalition for Inclusive Capitalism, EY, and the contribution of more than 30 global business leaders. Lady Lynn Forrester de Rothschild is the founder and CEO of the Coalition and is with our reporter Rick Kelsey. Rick. Thank you, Kate. So let's get straight into this then. Tell us about the Embankment Project and how it can help boards better articulate the value of culture. And this is sometimes, I know, described as an intangible asset. The work of EPIC was very uh, detailed in the area of culture because our asset managers as well as our corporates understand it as a real long-term value driver. So in drilling down, which was the job of EPIC, we drove down into five, let's call them dimensions, of culture that could be measured, that could be explored by a board and actually reported on. And those dimensions, because they're not metrics yet, because EPIC is still evolving, the dimensions are ethics and integrity, number one, Number two, the alignment of management with stated purpose and company values, how the company and management leads by example, performance and accountability, and inclusion and well-being. Those are the five dimensions that EPIC 
identified as a way to sort out what a company's culture is. And we see from the CEO letter from State Street, from Cyrus Tarapolevela. He highlighted culture as its top priority. He, he highlighted culture as top priority, and he also highlighted Epic as mm. one of the frameworks that they're looking at to see how a company is doing. So that was very, very important. And he actually said it's a board's duty to keep informed and understand how management is establishing mm. a, uh, an effective and purpose-driven culture. So he said that, but how, how do you think boards can align strategy with culture? I think the first thing boards have to do is mandate that strategy plans include the directive of culture and ways to measure, whatever that is. There's no one culture mm. beyond ethical legal behavior, mm. but there's no one brass ring. So I think every management has to establish it, and then the board needs to create some measurements along the way and keep talking about it. Well, thanks very much, Lady Lynn, and back to you in the studio, Kate. Rick, thank you for that, and we'll continue our conversation with Peter, Irene and Arun next. Board Matters. Well, still with me is Arun Batra, Associate Partner, EY Culture, Diversity and Inclusiveness and CEO of the National Equality Standard. Irene Dorner, Non-Executive Director at Rolls-Royce and AXA and Chair of Control Risks. And Peter Montagnon, Associate Director, Institute of Business Ethics. Peter, are boards preparing sufficiently for the future and perhaps the introduction of things like AI? I think that, as Arian has said, there is um, a beginning to be a big change in the way boards are looking at these things, and they are taking on the broader social impact of the company, the understanding of culture, and the need to um, get their values in place, which then drive the business model and the purpose of the company. But the world is changing around them, and AI, I think, does present some really big ethical problems. It's interesting that these problems are mostly ethical rather than technical. I think it's important the boards do take this on, but I also think it's important that they stop being frightened about the fact this is technical and actually get round to understand that this is not, not entirely different from the work they're already doing on risk appetite, risk oversight and risk management. Arun, do you think AI presents any particular challenges in the future for diversity? So there's a big... A reported state um, case in the United States that I heard about recently where uh, a particular insurance company had put together an algorithm that screened out a lot of black and minority ethnic people because they didn't meet the criteria that the algorithm was pumping out that was expected to be uh, met. So I think it's incredibly important that when these algorithms are built that a lot of thought goes into how they may be discriminating in one way or another. Irene, how can a board demonstrate the behaviours they expect to see throughout the company? It's very difficult because you are one step removed as a non-executive director. You can uh, coach, you can help with your own experience from your past executive life. You can sit alongside the executive management, you can make it plain, you can challenge in the boardroom. Uh, I think that we also need to start thinking, as Peter said, about some measures going forward so that you can hold people to account and make it real. Um, I think that the way that the board members actually behave themselves 
themselves. I mean, I have seen boards be rampantly aggressive with the management, and guess what? The management doesn't like it and is likely to be rampantly aggressive further down the organisation. So there are there are ways that you can actually show the executive the behaviour that's required. At the end of the day, it is the executive's responsibility to ensure that they have the right culture that matches the strategy and the purpose and the vision of the of the company. The board has to sit alongside them. The really interesting question, and I actually don't have an answer to this, except when there's a disaster, um, is, well, what do you do if you really, really object to a culture? That was going to be my next question. Peter, you might have the answer um, to that. It depends who's displaying that wrong culture, but if it's the chief executive, you simply have to fire them. <laughs> However well they're doing in terms of bringing home the short-term profits, if they're displaying a culture and setting an example which is going to lead you into trouble, you have to fire them before you hit that trouble. But, but what, what if that situation is something that's happening globally? It's not just in one particular area of the company. When there is a global problem, and we saw this at the pressure on the banks to produce the results they needed to produce to pay the bonuses and so on, uh, when everybody's under stress, then a very strong and clear set of values becomes a very important safeguard against getting carried away. So, of course, they, there are going to be situations where everybody's under pressure, but that's where exactly the moment when you need a strong culture to w- work your way through it. Peter's completely correct. You can sack the CEO. The issue for the NED is if nothing changes over time, uh, a non-executive only has one alternative, and that is to make their view plain. And if they can't actually change the situation, then they have to go. But my, and my challenge to that is that how often have you seen CEOs be sacked? And the reality is you have financial pressures in lots of businesses. People do see cultures that are inappropriate. And it's the, the translation of that to firing CEOs doesn't happen anywhere near as much as it possibly should. I mean, just, just briefly, um, have you been in that situation then where you've been frustrated, you've seen cultural practice that you don't approve of and you can't do anything about it? Uh, You can do things about it, yes. I've come close to that before as a non-executive and you just keep on having to push and make sure your view is known. I think you need the rest of the board to support you. I think you need to have lots of off-the-record, out-of-the-boardroom conversations to make sure it's not just you. I think that the big big tiger-like leaders um, who, with big egos who lead the company in a very autocratic way are becoming obsolescent, um, extinct. What we need are more facilitators, people who actually bring people together, help their colleagues solve problems right the way down through the scale. Um, but that's a different type of leader. It's going to take us a while to get there, but I think we should and will in the end. Arun, we, we need new leaders, don't we? Um, you were nodding there. Can you share with us some examples of cultural best practice? From my experience of really good examples of best practice is where you've seen businesses really be proactive in trying to make a difference. So if I narrow it into the area that I specialise in, which is diversity, um, where there's a lack of women or black and minority ethnic people in senior positions, what's worked really brilliantly is when businesses have taken, and I use this word really carefully, calculated risks by over potentially promoting people into roles, into more senior roles, contracting with them that this is only for a limited period of time, supporting and coaching them while they're in those roles, and a vast majority of them have gone on to be successful. And indeed, the people who've made those decisions had had those benefits themselves many years ago. So the summary of that answer is... You've got, it's, this is not going to happen by itself. There has to be a seismic shift in an attitude or change in order to make it happen successfully. Peter, 
what does that seismic change have to be? I go back to post the financial crisis when a salesman in one of the big banks said to me, it's all right now because we have to check whether the product is good for the customer. We're obliged to by the rules. It didn't occur to this person that actually it would be nice if they wanted to that's do the right the, I was going to ask customer. you, how do you make people want uh, to do well, that? Well, that's been, mm. that is by setting the values and embedding them in the organisation, using things like codes of behaviour, using peer pressure, um, using what you as a senior people say are your expectations of them to deliver. It's not something that changes overnight. Irene, uh, Peter was saying that uh, change is not going to happen overnight. What do you think will change in the future around an organisation's culture? I think that accountability for the culture is just going to increase at the board level and at executive management level. But I think that the key here for me is if you drive it from the top and all you do is talk about it, it's not going to work. What you need is for it to go viral through the organisation so that everybody gets it. Well, we've been talking about it today. Let's hope it filters through somehow. Uh, Peter, Irene, Arun, thank you so much for your time today. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Well, we hope you found our discussion useful. If you'd like more information on what we've discussed on the podcast or would like more information about UKCBM, you can email nds at uk.ey.com. That's nds at uk.ey.com. Well, our thanks to our experts for being on the podcast and sharing their experience on the next edition. The subject will be long-term value. So until then, from me, Kate Chabot, and everyone here, bye-bye. Board Matters, back soon.